0: The so we found out on Friday morning that we were a church without a home. And so we, in uh, 48 hours, here we are. So thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Glad you found your way. So the community, as you well know, experienced a devastating fire. Ninety-four homes were burned to the ground. Two people in attended this church lost their homes. And so we as a church wanted to respond to that. And uh, the community, really, you think about the community as a defining moment for the community it's not only a defining moment for the community, it's a defining moment for the church. Because really, when there's strategy in the community, it's a time for the church to be who the church says that it is. So it's a, it's a, it's a time for us to uh, be who we say that we are. And so the church that's in the community to bless the community. And so when the fire hit Thursday night. We're not going to wait till Sunday to do something or talk about it. On Thursday night, we were there at the, the shelter in Kalmesa in about 60 beds and so we brought 60 sleeping bags the very night of the fire there and then on friday we're uh, one of the designated churches in the area to receive donations so we've been there from uh, on yesterday also on saturday receiving donations we had a community prayer gathering the last night it was awesome so we just want to be in the community to bless the community in times of tragedy and so uh, but part of the fallout of that is that the school there was shut down and we found out on Friday morning that we needed to find another location. So what's really cool is that this building has been a church for the last 20 years. The last week, first half of 20 years, they hadn't met here because they moved. The second week, here we are. We have to be here. So uh, this would not have been available. Isn't that cool how uh, that worked out? So anyway, but we, want to, we want to bless the community. We want to be the church that is in the community, for the community, to bless the community. We also want to be the church that never waits to be asked. We don't want to sit on our hands and wait to be asked. We want to respond. And so we respond that we pray, and we give, and we go. And we never wait to be to be asked to help. Here. And so uh, we're going to continue to help. Uh, and so we want to do everything we can. We're doing something for the two uh, people in this church that lost their homes. So you can all be a part of that. Let's pray for the community. If you bow your heads with me, we just want to for them. So Father, we want to lift up our community to you. And Father, we want to thank you for the first responders, for the protection over them. Uh, Lord, we want to lift up the hundred or so families who have lost their homes. We pray that you would not only be their cover, but you would cover them with your grace and your mercy, surround them with your peace. Father, we pray that uh, our, our community will find you against the strategy, this tragedy your hope will become real to them. So we thank you that your power of love will fail. And uh, this morning, Lord, as we turn to your word, pray it would be more than just uh, words on a page and, uh, and words of years and in This Bible talk. You would transform us by the power of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you have message notes there. If you have some credit this morning, you can pull out your notes there. You have all the notes uh, right behind you. So we're gonna talk about Jonah, the reluctant prophet here, the rebel that God used. So we're gonna roll up our sleeves and go through Jonah verse by verse, chapter by chapter. we new to Sanctuary, we Bible teachers So we read the Bible, we explain the Bible, and then we apply the Bible as we do that again. So we know we can hear God's voice through God's word. So that's what we want to do. So I want to begin this morning this way. You football fans in the house, I'm a football fan, get them up. I'm not feeling any energy in the room. Are you a football fan or not? That was borderline pathetic. But there are any football fans in the house. And so I'm a football fan too. And I love to watch football. Now one of the things that you may not know about, especially if you're not a fan, is this. Is if the head coach can call an interruption, or what's called a challenge, by throwing a red flag. And so the red flag actually looks something like this. So say a play is made, should've been a touchdown, and they call a fumble. This is what they'll do, the coach will go like this and he'll throw the flag like that, meaning stop the game, i interrupting the game, time out, somebody messed up in white striped jerseys, those zebra striped jerseys, they messed up, and I wanna talk about what happened there. And so this is done throughout the football experience there in most games. You'll see that. What we're gonna talk about this morning is this, is if God also is a God that throws a challenge flag or, uh, this one is falling apart. that'll go like that. And so, God will do that, and he does it every once in every Christ follower's life. does it throughout the Bible. did it in Acts chapter nine. There's Paul on the Damascus road, and then the persecutor is being called to be a preacher. And so, there he is on the Damascus road, and God interrupts his life, God throws the penalty flag there. God speaks to him and says, "Paul, you know what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me?" and and redirects him. Okay, reroutes his life. And so, we're looking at Jonah here this morning. We're going to see that God is a God of interruptions here. We're going to unpack that this morning. So, Jonah chapter one, beginning in verse one, says this: "The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, and so." This could have been text message to someone today getting the word of the Lord or the message then of the Lord. And so the word of the Lord came, in other words, it's a word from God. This is God speaking. He's hearing God's voice here about the direction of his life. God wants to redirect his life. It continues and says in verse 2, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So there's Jonah just minding his own business. And God, out of nowhere, interrupts him. You know, it's not like he looked in his eye calendar app, and there it was there. He said, hey, this is what I want you to do. He had no idea that this was coming. God says to him, I want you to go to Nineveh, because I've seen their wickedness, and it's risen up against me. He says, Jonah, I have a new assignment for you. I want you to get up, and I want you to go to those nasty Bad to the bone, Ninevites. And I want you to speak the message that I'm going to give you. And so God essentially taps Jonah on the shoulder and says, Jonah, I have a mission for your life. I have a calling for your life. I have a assignment for your life. I want to redirect your life here. And let me just say this. Every, every person that God ever uses in the Bible, and every Christ follower God ever uses, he will redirect your life. He'll do this very same thing. So when we're looking at Jonah, you're really looking at your own life here. So God interrupts him, not to annoy him, not to inconvenience him, but to let him know that he wanted to redirect him. So in your notes it says there, because God loves you, he's going to interrupt your story. Why does he do that? Because God wants to rewrite your story. God wants to write a better story. And every time God interrupts you, there is a better story on the horizon that he wants to lead you to. And so verse three says this, look at Jonah's reaction. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord and he went down to the port of Joppa, where he down the ship leaving for Tarshish, paid the fare, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So when God said, get up and go, Jonah was like, absolutely no. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. And so Tarshish then is 500 miles to the east. And uh, uh, and Tarshish actually is 2,500 miles to the west. So rather than be in the will of God for 500 miles, he's outside God's will for his life for 2,500 miles. And so he goes in the opposite direction. So he was like, God, I'm going to hit the eject button. I don't think I want to go to dinner. I'm out of here. I'm done with it. I'm a former prophet who used to work for you, but I don't want to be a prophet anymore. Like I want to go into retirement, like game over God. And so he wanted to avoid, absolutely avoid the assignment that God was giving him. And so God then he says, he says that he's going to flee, some of your translations, he's going to flee from the presence of the Lord. And so John is a prophet, and he knows a lot of stuff about God. I think this, a prophet is trying to flee the presence of an all-present God. Trying to flee the presence of an all-present God. How crazy is that? David said in Psalm 139, David said, that if I flee into the heavens you're there, if I flee into the the, shield, to hell, you are there. He said, you are always there, you're an all-present God there, and so you are everywhere. And so here Jonah is like, Crazy, thinking he can flee from the presence of the Lord. And so what Jonah does then is he jumps on a boat, jumps on a boat thinking that he can flee from God. And so I want, to, I want to press on this point a little bit because I think this is personal for some of us. Because watch this. Jonas was saying this to God. The prophet would do all this stuff about God. This is what, what he was saying. He says, God, there are parts of my life that you can speak to me. There are parts of my life that you can have your way. But there are other parts, God, I don't want you to speak to me. There are other parts you don't get to have your you, I don't want to hear that, God. And so we say, there are parts of my life you can change. In other parts of my life, God, I don't want to have change. And we can be like that. We can say, God, there are parts of my life, or oh, you're more than welcome into this part of my life. You're more than welcome into my financial life, God, to bless my life. You're, God, a blessing. But the relationship I'm going here. Don't don't talk to me about my girlfriend. Don't talk to me about my boyfriend. Don't talk to me about the things that you you want to change in my life and the choices that I've made. <coughs> so we can be just like Jonah here. Now notice this: it says in verse three that he went downward. He went downward to Job. He went downward to Job. He didn't go. He didn't go upward to Job, but he went down. And this is a picture of what happens when you run from God. You are setting your path on a downward trajectory. See, he just didn't go down to Joppa. He went down into the boat. And then he didn't just go down into the boat. He got thrown overseas. He went down into the, into the sea. And then he just didn't stop there. But then the whale swallowed. And he goes, or whatever it was. And then he goes deeper into the water. He goes deep into the belly of the whale. And then deeper still, he goes down, down again to the depths of the sea. You see there, when you run from God, you are setting your feet on a trajectory that is downward. It is a downer, a downward path. You may reflect on your own life or reflect on someone else's life that's just in your relational circle. You've seen that they have done the same thing. So Jonah now is in a downward spiral for his life. He's going to continue this spiral here. He's headed downward. He goes down the jump, down into the ship, down to the sea, down to the this is Billy. what a downer here! I notice what it says here. It says that Jonah then found a ship. Jonah found a ship. I think there's a little message for us there, because you can always find a ship going in the opposite direction of God's will for your life. It's always open out there. You can find you can find a ship. By the way, uh, it was not the Lord's ship. It was a, it was going to be a shipwreck. I uh, don't want to follow God's way, God's uh, will for their life, you can always find a ship going in the direction that you want to go. That's what Jonah did here. And so he, he chooses to take a ship to Tarshish. God clearly said, your future is now. So in your notes there, the door is always open to go in the opposite direction of God's will. It's always open. Be a relational door, moral door, it could be a career door, it could be a, um, uh, any kind of door that is open to you there, but
1: you always have the
0: opportunity, a financial door, you always have the opportunity to go in the opposite direction. He found the ship. So do you think he was looking for a ship since he found the ship? Yeah, he found he what he was looking for. That's how it is when you're out of God's will. You will find what you're looking for there's no blessing of God over that. And so, what I want us to see next is this. is that God is going to call Jonah to a very hard place. Part of God's will is when he called him to Nineveh. It was hard. It was very hard. It was brutal. It was that difficult. And so he calls him to a bad place. How many people here this morning and it's easy to you be know, sipping our lattes or decaf or water and look at Jonah and you know, go, what an idiot that happened. Why didn't he do what God told him to do? I want to unpack this a little bit so you can see that it really wasn't that easy. Because he's called to a a hard place, a bad place. How many people, you don't even want to go to a bad place and you see This, by the way, this is Iraq. This is Iraq right here. but is Iraq. So uh, he's called to the worst part of Iraq. And so he's called essentially to go and talk to ISIS or talk to the Taliban and tell them about God. Tell them that God is not happy with them. So he's like, hey, you know, this doesn't make sense. It's not very practical for me. Uh, they torture people there in you know. Nineveh. They cut their, their hands up, their limbs up, and their feet up, and their noses up, and their ears up. And I don't think I want to go there. And they skin people alive there. And then they take the skins and they put them on the walls of Nineveh. I and mean, it's not very user friendly for, for prophets like me here. And so <laughs> I think perhaps, I think perhaps that this place is legendary for its cruel occasion savagery of their war crimes is documented historically. And so no, no Jew would ever want to go to Israel, would ever want to go to Iraq and talk to those people. So before we jump on Jonah, we need to realize that these are people that would crush you, and they would enslave you, they would impoverish you, and they would kill you, and then they would display the skin of their tortured enemies everywhere. And so it's been practical. So in your notes there it says, sometimes God will ask us to do hard things. God will ask you to do hard things. So how are you going to respond to them? And so Jonah was like this, God, I don't do Nineveh. And you know they're a wicked city. You just told me so. Why don't you just judge them, God? Why don't you judge them and save me the effort? And so Jonah really wanted them eliminated. He wanted them wiped out. He wanted them destroyed. He didn't want to talk to them. And so I know there's people in this room, in your lifetime, you're going to feel some kind of nudge some kind of prompting, some kind of uh, um, initiation that you need to do something in a Godward direction, but you're not going to want to do it because it's hard. And so you need to be asking yourself, well, is God throwing, is God interrupting me for his will here? And so, not going the opposite direction here. So he says here, he says here, he's gonna go to Tarshish. And I really believe that life comes down to this. If you're a Christ follower, life comes down to this. There are those choices in your life where it'll seem like God is saying, go do something you don't wanna do, go to Nineveh. And you will just say, but Tarshish is so much more attractive to me. And so there's two roads in life. One road leads to Nineveh, and one road leads to Tarshish here. One road leads to the will of God, and one road leads outside the will of God. One road leads to obedience, one road leads to disobedience. The two options that Jonah faced are also the same two options that we face. And so I would ask you this this morning. Which road are you on? So the road of, of obedience, the, the road of disobedience, is there before us. And so in your notes, a life of running from God is running from God's expectation. God expected Jonah to go to Nineveh. He ran from the expectation. So let's look also verse 3. It says this. Notice it says, he paid the fare. Some translations, he bought the ticket. It means the original translation the Hebrew, it means he covered the whole ship. Like he bought the whole thing. Like all the seats on the whole ship Jonah bought is what what this literally means here. And so he pays this incredible, hefty sum to be able to get on the ship uh, with all the sailors. In other words, it cost him so dearly. It was an incredible cost that Jonah had to pay to jump on the boat, going in the opposite direction of God's will. And I think there's a message for us that money from God, very simply, is going to cost you. It's going to cost you in your relationships. It may cost you in your your peace of mind. It may cost you just wasting your life, wasting seasons of your life. It may cost you money. It may cost you sleep. It may cost you your marriage. I've seen someone else that you know. I've seen this story happen a number of times where I thought, mm, gosh, you are not going to the Lord's." Direction for your life, and you continue that direction. It's going to cost you your marriage, and it did time and time again. Then. So there's an incredible cost there to go opposite the direction God has for your life. He paid the fare, the full fare. So money from God costs you a fare. Costs you. But you yourself must pay. So verse four. But the Lord. I love this because see, God had a reaction to John. God wasn't some passive deity in the sky. Oh, I guess He doesn't want to do my will. Oh no, God is, a, God is a God who reacts. There, reacted to His choice. Watch, but the Lord, what did He do? He hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break up the ship. And so, this is the great theme of the Bible right here. This is the great theme of the Bible that we run, man runs, and God pursues. That is the theme of the Bible right there. God pursues everyone that runs, including a reluctant, hard-headed, stubborn, obstinate prophet like Jonah. See what what we see here is there's God's grace, and he's intercepting Jonah. And he's intercepting Jonah's story and his direction because he wants to help him write a better story and help him so he doesn't pursue his self-destructive behavior. So, so Jonah made this decision, and then God made his. Jonah made a decision that God made his. And so Jonah says, God, I'm gonna run. And God says, okay, Jonah, then I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. And so you can run from God, but know that God loves you. God will run after you. So perhaps some of us today, even subtly, We can run from God in areas of our lives. So God is committed, we see here the text tells us, God is committed to tracking you down. God is a God that will come after you, that will find you, that will love you, that will seek you, and then seek to save you. And so we can run from God in our notes, but God will pursue us. See, God will pursue us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What did he do? He left his planet, left his heaven, to come to our planet to pursue us and so our text tells us that there are times i'm not saying every storm is a god originated storm but i am saying this there are times where the text is telling us that god may send a storm it says for the lord sent this storm again not every storm but this is a storm really that have jonah's name on it this is a storm of grace this is a storm here that god is going after chasing down jonah and so I really believe this is a, a storm of, of the, the love of God, of the, of the dogged love of God, of the determined <laughs> love of God, of the crazy love of God, of the scandalous love of God. I mean, this is just screaming that, that God loved Jonah. He's not going to let it go. And so uh, Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, verse 7, it says, Who the Lord loves, he skins along I not say that. I was testing you. Come on. I just to say that again. So whom the Lord, whom the Lord loves, watch, He corrects. He disciplines. Whom the Lord loves, Jonah, he's correcting and disciplining here. The, the concern we should have is that there's no discipline coming in our life when we're, when we're going in the opposite direction. Then you want to wonder who do you belong to there. And so this crazy, fierce, dogged, determined, scandalous love of God is coming full of, full expression as Jonah tries to go in the opposite direction. So in your notes there, the storm is it's a scandalous love of the heavenly Father. That's cool. So verse five, fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors, these are pros, shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to light the ship. With all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down, the, down in the base of the ship it says, cool. So here's the professionals, and they're like freaked out. They're like out of their minds, freaking out here. They're panicking, they're screaming to their gods. And so and what they were doing was something that maritime uh, employees would do, and that is, in that day, especially, they would throw the cargo overboard. So that's what they're, this is how they're getting paid. So, this is like, we're not going to be able to feed our families. We're going to be able to, to take home income. They're throwing all the profit overboard. They're throwing all the good stuff overboard. They're just chucking everything overboard to trying to save the ship. They're doing everything that they can there to save it. And, and what is Jonah doing? Do you, guys think, do you know what Jonah was doing? What doing? <laughs> <Right>. He's sleeping. If <sighs> yeah, Jonah is, he's out. And so, but they're up above. There's all the sailors. They're like, God, if you will only, we do the same thing. You will only save us. Fill in the blank. But if you will only do the blank, then God, I promise, I will never blank again. Not anybody, been there. Not anybody been there? And so, so, there's Jonah and his life. Once he do things here. He well, said, Jonah's not an island to himself. Jonah's life is impacting everyone that's associated with Jonah. And we have this thing in our nation now, it's like, do your own thing, live your life, and you know, you're know, your own person, and you're independent. But all of that, like, you don't affect anyone else. And nothing could be part of the truth that we're gonna see in the text here. There is Jonah, and, and sometimes uh, the storm there, the of the storm, is to wake people up, to wake us up. And that's what God was doing in Jonah's life. What I want us to see this here Jonah, he's so far out there, he's so far out of the rule of God, that the storm that was designed to wake him up, okay, designed to discipline him, did nothing for him. And so he's so comfortable that he's just sleeping through it. So verse 6, so the captain went down after him. Says, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up. I pray to your God. Like Jonah, don't you think you brought this mess upon us? Don't you think it would be good that you would pray to your God? Maybe it'll be attention to us and spare our lives. So they wake the brother up, they wake the Joker up. And so and the sleeping prophet there is the one who's calling all this mess. He's causing all this mess. Jonah was causing all the drama in their lives. You have people like that. They're causing all the drama in your life there, but Jonah didn't see it. And that's how it is with people who cause drama. They never see all the drama that they're causing in your life. So that's what Jonah is doing here. Now watch this. The pagan, pagan tells the prophet, hey, don't you think it'd be a good idea to pray?" Haven't you seen? The pagan is not a prophet, That'd be a good idea if you pray. And so, all that to say this, though, is that people that don't know God, watch. People that don't know God, when they encounter people that do know God, want you to pray for them when there's a storm in their life. They want you to pray. People that don't know God, they'll look for people that do know God. When they encounter you, they say, hey, we'd love for you to pray. So, that's what was happening here. And so, in your notes, when they see the storm, People who don't know God want people who do know God. They want you to pray. I've never in my life encountered somebody, when they were facing a storm, they didn't want to pray. They always do. So, that's a dynamic. So, they say, hey, hey, we're suffering because of you. So, like, why don't you just get up and, like, pray to your God. And so, the pagan tells the preacher to, to pray, verse 7. And then the crew cast lots. It's like an Old Testament, a cat of, uh, of dice, little rocks painted on one side. So the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. So that day they believed that the deities, uh, by casting lots, uh, the deities of the day would point to the guilty party. So it says when they did this, the lots identified Joseph, sorry, Jonah, as the culprit there, and so the sailors were smart enough to realize that, hey, this, this joker is causing all the drama in our life. Let's, let's cast some lots some here and see what happens. And so verse eight says this. They said, why is this awful storm? They said, come down on us. And they demanded, and who are you? And where are you from? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your, your nationality? So they want to get some information about this person causing all the drama all his woe. And I want us to see something here, because what he says here, first thing he says is, well, I'm a Hebrew. Just reflexively, I'm a Hebrew. In other words, I follow God. I'm a God follower. I'm with God's people. I'm a Hebrew. I go to church. That's who I am. And then he says, uh, and they're thinking, like, we thought you were an idiot. Well, not, not a Hebrew. But it says, and then i worship the lord like really jonah like three thousand miles in the opposite direction of what god called you to be in and you worship the lord maybe perhaps you should should think about rewriting your resume there a little bit because you really are not living a life and so jonah is the only one that believed jonah you can say whatever you want. want to say that you're a christ follower you go to church you're god person or church person but all the people around you, they can see whether you are Just like they can see with Jonah. Like, really, Hebrew, come on. Really, you're worshiping God, and so they know. So when you run from God, here's the point. You just lose all self-awareness. You lose awareness, or you become kind of a little deluded and deceived about really who you are. I'm a Hebrew, and I worship God, really? No, you lose those, you lose all self-awareness. And so lastly, in your notes, when you run from God, you just cannot run God's love for you. You cannot run the love God. Verse 10. So the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for, uh, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. He said, so Why did you do it? They groaned. So, of course, they're freaked out. They're flying here. And so he's created this storm. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to stand on this point here. Is that he created a storm? That not only affected himself, it affected everyone, everyone in proximity to him. So think about that in your life. If you create a storm, you create drama. You're just you're being you're just being a Jonah. You're being a joker there. And so, what you do in your life, it's going to impact everyone that's in your proximity. So I'm very mindful. I'm mindful of this. That if I choose to go in the opposite direction god has in my life you think that's gonna affect my life it's gonna affect my life isn't it it's gonna affect my kids yeah you think that's gonna affect my relational circle come on it's gonna affect it's gonna affect everyone in proximity to you it's gonna affect you here and so uh we need not to believe the lie that shouted out uh, shouted at us in our culture that oh it's just all about you it's just your life and live how you want it No, it's going to affect everyone like Jonah around him. So ultimately now they realize that he's the problem. So it says in verse 11, since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, like, what should we do for you to stop the storm? And then Jonah begins to to wake up a little bit here. Jonah realizes that I'm the problem for the storm. I did. So verse verse 12, just throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and know we can calling him, and he's a prophet. He's speaking the future. But I know that this terrible storm, it's all my fault. So this is the beginning, the turning point of his life. This is the turning point of your life. When you can say these words, it's all my fault. I'm responsible for the storm. I did it. And he's not blaming anyone else. He's not blaming God. And he's saying, this is me. This is the way you're going to turn your life around. So throw me into the sea. So Jonah essentially there is saying, hey, Would you go ahead and execute by execution? Because going to the sea means he doesn't know God's got a way out of fish. He just knows he's going into the drink. And it's cold for him. Isn't it interesting that he would rather go to drown than die than go to Nineveh? He'd rather die than go to Nineveh. That's how opposite of the that the the prophet was. That's a hard headed that he was. Like, okay, go ahead. I'd rather be thrown into the sea and die than go to him. And so, he'd rather die than do God's will still at this point. So, verse 13, Instead, sailors rowed even even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them. They couldn't make it. They couldn't do anything about it. So, ultimately, they're rowing against God. They're going against God's will here. And so it just gets stormier and stormier. And now the story changes for them. The story changes for them. And watch this. They begin to surrender to God here. And so, verse 14. Then they cried out to the Lord, shown God. No more their gods. But they're like, okay, they're, they're together. They're like, okay, everybody, let's, let's pray. The storm is really good. Like, okay, you, you call it the, to uh, the big guy in the sky. Know, let's see. You, uh, you call out to your Allah. Oh, uh, you call to your God. Now it's like, look, everything has changed here. They cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. And they they said, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. So now we're going to Yahweh. and Don't hold us responsible for this death. Oh Lord. Now they're surrendering their lives to Jonah's God. Oh Lord, you sent this storm. They see the hand of God behind it upon him for your own reasons so now the sailors are turning to God and so they are praying to Jonah's God the only true God being, we're crying out to him verse 15 the sailors picked up Jonah threw him into the raging sea the storm stopped at once so they threw the, they threw the drama off the ship and so there's a story there for us sometimes through the drama needs to go off this ship. Maybe you are part of the So but they picked him up and so they had to get the guts to throw him over There, They're essentially this murder. They're throwing him over. Him. And so but they did that they got they got the guts to do that. But what is in your life that's keeping you from doing what God wants you to do? Is it a relationship, something you're involved in, something Hang out or reading, I don't know. What is in your life that's causing you to undermine you from going in God's direction in your life? And so they had to get intentional about this and throw it overboard before peace came. Peace came, and the drama left. The general left there, so, and so they had to get rid of it. And so the turmoil ended when they dealt with John. The turmoil may just end. Peace. Uh, the oceans of your life become calm there when you deal with the problem like Jonah did. And the storm stops. This tells me something about God. God is a God there that that he has the capacity to bring peace to our seas instantly. God can bring peace to your life when, whenever. All of the sailors now are getting right with God and they're calling him, they're calling out to him. And then the next thing that happens peace there of the calm waters, verse 16. The sailors were also, by the Lord's great power, they offered a sacrifice, and they vowed, I love this, I love this, they vow to serve him. Isn't that great? They vowed that we're gonna serve God. We're not, not gonna serve other masters anymore. And so, he says, God, we're not gonna go against you, we're gonna go with you. And verse 17, he can wait for now, the Lord arranged a great fish Swallowed swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. I want to point something out here that it. said, God wasn't caught by surprise there. He is all knowing. The Bible says our lives have been as a tale which has been told. The Lord had arranged a great fish. And so, while Jonah was doing his thing, he was rebelling against God, and going in his own direction there. There is God, God's not caught by surprise by our lives there. Uh, so, God is always a step ahead. God is always a step ahead of you. But there is God's prepared, the Lord is prepared or arranged for a great fish. So, and God also like, spoke to the sea creature there and said, Hey, when you see a splash, that's lunch. Don't forget that, boy. That's lunch there. And so, chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to close it. After three days and three nights. Why three days and three nights? After three days and three nights, then John prayed. How, awesome, how hard-headed, how determined he was not to go to Nineveh. You see, he didn't pray when he went down to Joppa. He didn't pray when he went on the ship. How many people would have prayed? How many people would have prayed when the storm hit? Like if you didn't want to do Nineveh, come on. I would have I would have been like, yeah, it's time to pray. Call a prayer meeting, and uh, let's pray, the ship's gonna go down. You would you, most of you I don't think you would pray that. Jonah doesn't pray. Jonah goes down and sleeps. And so, how many people would have prayed? How many people would when the sailors were doing the, and the one and the two? Like down anything he wants. Just throw me over Come on. You did pray, right? And it's great. How many kind of would have prayed maybe you hung in there and you hit the water? How many would have prayed when you saw this great sea creature coming? Exactly. He you know, uh, doesn't have any other, any other options. How many would have prayed when you were going down? Like, sort of no, you up, imagine, and
1: there's not time to talk about
0: it, but there's, there's historical documentation of people being swallowed and surviving. And being, Coming out later, but the point is this how many of you were afraid when you were like in this uncomfortable environment? Well, how about day one or hour one or minute one? No prayer, and then and then he's like he's just hovering down there. and I'm not going to do Nineveh day two, finally day three, and John prays after three days and three nights. Then he prays, but his lowest point. And why does God have to wait? Why do we have to wait to our lowest point? Before we we'll pray, before we open our heart and look toward heaven and ask God. And so, here's God. He won't give up on Jonah. Pursuing and pursuing and pursuing and messing with him and pressing with him because he wants to get Jonah's attention. What about you? Do you think that God would pursue you and mess with you? Scandalous love? And press on you? Because he wants to get your attention. He wants you to say, saying? Hey, the direction, ah, that's, not, that's not it. That's not what I have for you. The direction for your life, the, the road of blessings is over here. So God is talking. God, God is a God who's determined. God is a God who's crazy, scandalous love. He keeps pursuing Jonah. The great theme of the Bible. We run, God pursues. We keep running, and God keeps pursuing and pursuing and pursuing. Beloved friends, this is who God is. This is who God is. So, if you would bow your heads, this one pray over us, and then we're going to stand to our feet and we're going to sing. So, Father, thank you for your words here, that you are a God who interrupts us, not to inconvenience us, not to irritate us. You're a God that wants to reroute us, and redirect us, because of your, your great love. And when we're lost at sea, you're the God that pursues us and you keep pursuing us when we have no right to be pursued and we've done nothing to win your love or earn your love and you just pursue us and that's who you are Father I pray this morning that the, the reality of who you are just Break over us, break over our hearts. God of scandalous love, God of determined and dogged love that never gives up. In Jesus' name.